Well, this morning we're going to kind of finish off almost John. Uh, what a blessing. Pastor Wayne preached right through the book of John and gave me the resurrection. <laughs> like, you can't get any better than that, right? So uh, I'm going to try and get right through the whole chapter. So we're going to start in verse 1 and go right to 23. There might be a couple more verses after that, but uh, hopefully we can make it there. I just kind of want to summarize, um, kind of bring us to the point where the disciples are right now. And if you can just use your imagination a little bit, we'll start right back from the beginning where Jesus walks out and he begins to call the disciples. Imagine you're Peter, you're in the boat. Jesus calls you out. You begin to walk with this man who begins to proclaim himself the Son of God. And all of a sudden you begin to see him forming miracles. I mean, lame men getting up, walking right in front of your eyes. Blind men seeing him, him raising Lazarus from the dead. And you're, you're walking with this man. The, the words that he's saying, people are saying, we've never heard words like this before. What a glorious, amazing, almost seemingly unstoppable season in your life. Who can stop this man? You know, and, and that's, they say, you know, three years of this is going on. And, and you got your brothers beside, you're in this band of men walking with this man proclaiming to be God himself. And then you enter into Jerusalem, into Passover, and, and how it takes that shift from this amazing last three years of miracles and victory and triumph. All of a sudden, you're at the Last Supper, and the Lord's saying, my hour's come. I don't even think you're fully understanding. What, what is he talking about? Then he says, come with me. And you enter into the garden. And you could tell that this man, this God-man, is in distress. Your leader. But you know what he's done in the past. You, you know this victorious human being doing the miracles can handle anything because you've seen it happen already. How quick this victorious man, God-man, turns into a servant. And he even tells him at the Last Supper, I've come to serve, not to be served. Jesus is about to be served up willingly. And they can sense something's happening. They're in the garden, and the crowd comes, and they're thinking, he can save himself. They even watch all the guards fall back, figuring he's just going to clear the house. He says, who, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus. He says, I'm he. 
And I'm sure they're thinking, okay, here's the big moment. He's going to do them all away with, however that would look. And yet he steps up and he gives himself to them. Man, your heart would break. Imagine the confusion. What would you be thinking at that moment? What is going on? So this is where they're at right now. They're, they're a little bit dis- distressed. And, and it, it has, the, the hard stuff hasn't even come yet. Next they're going to take him. And they're going to mock trial him and accuse him. And two of them get to see this eyewitness. The two who actually were going to see come to the tomb. These two men see this. Then they take him from that that trial and they walk him through the city. Your Savior. They, They walk him through Jerusalem and up the hill of Golgotha. They strip him. In shame, he's on the cross and the disciples are going it's over. What's going to happen? And he cries, it's finished. The Bible says he gave up the ghost and he's dead. And your whole world is crushed now. Don't get too sad. Victory's coming. But your whole world is crushed. The Savior's dead. They take him off the cross. Nicodemus, they, they perfume him. They, they wrap him. They, they bring him into a tomb that the rich man gives him. The guards come. They roll the stone over, and that's it. What are we going to do? We start in verse 1, it says, Now on that first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter, and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and said, They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've lain him. Peter, therefore, went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb, so they ran together, And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb. And he stooped down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Peter Simon came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. And the face cloth that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their homes. So here we have Mary. Beautiful Mary. I mean our heart was so full of love. 
uh, for the Lord and what he had done for her and what he'd heard and seen, her, seen him do for others. This drove her, I believe, to the tomb. She went out of love and, and a heart full to see this dead man to pay her respects to him one last time. And she gets there and the stones rolled away and the tomb's empty and the question is, where is he? I mean, there were guards there. This stone, I don't think, was a pebble. It's, it's rolled away, the guards. I mean, her, the question in the mind is, where is he? She doesn't know. And it's, it's amazing in our time of confusion, what does Mary do in her time of confusion? It says, then she ran and came to Simon Peter. And it's funny, when we're in this confusion, I know when I'm in confusion, right away I want to go to Robin. Robin, what do we do? What do you think? It's a natural impulse, but I mean, we can come to the rock. That's been rolled away in our time of confusion. And you'll notice through this whole time, they don't go and pray. And I mean, uh, and it, it's confusion. And I want to encourage you in your time of confusion, your time of your trial of depression or um, uh, confliction or um, what you're going to do after your job's done. Go, go for prayer. Go to the rock. Call on him because he is sovereign. He has your answer. He knows your heart. And the plan for you is already worked out. He knows. You might not get it right away like Mary and Peter and John haven't got it just yet. But I'm telling you, the answer is on the way. So hide yourself in prayer. Hide yourself under the wings of the Almighty God when you're uncertain. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they ran together and the other disciple Outran Peter. <laughs> Isn't that just hunky dory? There's always somebody quicker and smarter. And they actually say, when I was looking in this, they figure that John was quite a bit younger than Peter at this point. Uh, I don't know. But he outran Peter. And he got to the tomb. And Peter came to the tomb. And he stooped down looking in, saw the linen clothes lying. Yet he did not go in. Then Peter, Simon Peter came following them and went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there. So they're running. You know, Peter's chugging along. Boom. John goes running right by him, gets to the tomb, stops, looks in the tomb, standing there looking in and Peter runs right by him into the tomb. And to me what I think is just the diversity in the body of Christ, the different giftings. John was faster than Peter. Peter had more courage at that moment than John did. You'll see in a moment, Mary was way more patient than the both of them. 
And when I look in the room here, there are men and women that God has perfectly gifted to do the job that he's called us here to do. But we got to do it together. And we want to do it for his glory. Not for Potter's house, not for our own glory, but for him. Who actually was crucified, hung there, died, buried, and rose up out of that grave for us. All of us have been created in the image of God. All of us sovereignly woven together for his glory. The gifts you have are not for you. They're for him. What an honor. They're for each other. They're for the beauty of his name. Because he's worthy of it all. And we get a chance to serve him. To walk with him in the power of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. There is no greater honor in life than where you're sitting right now at his feet. He is amazing. He is all-powerful. He is never changing. He is full of glory and wonder and power and might. It says, verse 7, And the face cloth that had been around his head, not lying with the linen, but folded together in a place by itself, then the other disciple who came to the tomb went in also and saw and believed. And to me that was kind of strange. He saw the linen, and then he saw and he believed. And I'm not quite sure what that means that he believed and what he believed. But I'll tell you this, there was some confusion because nobody that's going to rob a dead body out of the grave is going to unwrap it and then leave the linen. And it says that the head cloth, this was, some say, the cloth that held the jaw closed, was folded. You know, When my daughter makes her bed, I know the room's clean. It's finished. And I wonder if that's what John was saying. Why is that folded and put there? It's finished. Something's going on here. This isn't right. He he hasn't been stolen. What's going on? God uses the little things a lot of times in our lives to show us he's at work. And this folded linen cloth, I think, was telling John something is happening here. Enough for him to believe, to bring hope. Look for the little things that God's doing. Because those little things sometimes turn into huge miracles that God is doing. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then then the disciples went away again to their homes. You know, this huge miracle is about to happen and and they're confused and, and they go home. 
We know the saying, there's no place like home. For us here, those that are online and those who are considering, Potter's house is home for you. Okay? When it's getting tough, come home. Come to the church. Don't run. Come and be gathered together with your brothers and your sisters. Get prayer. Let us cover you. Let us honor you. Let us strengthen you. We might not always have all the answers, but we have you. Don't run anywhere else but home. And as we grow and we get to know each other, you're going to get that sense. I think that's why over the last... uh, few months we've seen some new faces that haven't just come through the door once they've come and they've stayed because they get a sense that this is home there's something different so let's love each other as that family of God the next portion of scripture here is 11 uh, verse 11 to 17 and it says but Mary stood outside weeping And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've lain him. Now when she said this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was him. Jesus said to her, said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, she, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. For I have yet not ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to yours. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Wow. Could you imagine? What would be rushing? I put myself there. What would, you know, he's dead, he's gone. All of a sudden I turn around and there he is. He's alive. What was just pushed out of Mary? I'm telling you, fear, anxiety, confusion, distress, depression. All of this was rushed out of Mary right now as soon as she saw and knew the Lord. What a victory. He's alive. He's beaten death. Man, we have the king of eternity. Not walking with us, but dwelling in us. And I'm not saying that there's never going to be hard times and that when they come we, we shouldn't be confused. We're not going to get depressed. We're not going to go through situations. But I'm telling you, those who walked with him went through this also. And he didn't leave them. 
abandoned in that distress, in that conflict. He came to them. He rose again up out of that grave for you and for me. That'll strengthen me to go through anything. Maybe not perfectly, but it'll push me through. And to even know that if I don't make it physically alive, I'll be with him for eternity, forever. Wow, that's amazing. Mary's overcome with grief because of the situation, but God begins to reveal that he is in the midst of all this through these angels. Mary looks in, she doesn't quite get it, but she sees these men in white. And if you read the account in, in the other Gospels, you're going to see that they were like shining like lightning. There was some amazing things that happened. It doesn't give that account in this, except that they were dressed in white. And I think Mary started to go, something is happening. Just like John, when the linen was folded, something's going on here. Verse 13, woman, why are you weeping? Mary is still not fully aware that God has sovereignly orchestrated this plan of redemption. Think about that for one sec. God has ordained this whole thing. All this pain, all this suffering that they're experiencing, God has surrounded it. He knew it. He has planned this. And he didn't just plan to leave them in that. He planned to rise up out of that and to bring them with him. To take them out of their sin. Out of their old life and their old habits. And their old destruction. And to bring them alongside him to do his work and his will for his glory. Jesus said to her, she turned to him, Rabboni, teacher, here's the resurrection. He's alive. Death can't hold him. And he's alive right now. As I'm talking to you, he's enthroned in heaven. They're around the throne, praising him night and day. And he has us with him in his heart there. Payment has been made in full. The resurrection is the receipt. What do I mean by that? I mean, your sin is totally paid for. Fully paid for. You can't take it back. The Bible says that he was raised for your justification. That means you are fully justified right now. Nothing can be added to it. It doesn't depend on your good works. It depends on the fact that he, God the Father rose him up out of the grave. It's done. Now, is that going to lead you to sin? No. 
I always was taught this once. If I'm going down the road and I'm speeding, swerving, and a police officer pulls me over and he comes up to the car and he says, you're not wearing your seatbelt. You're swerving everywhere. You're doing 30 over the speed limit. What are you doing? I don't know, sir. I'm sorry. Are you really sorry? Do you know that I have authority over your life to convict you of this? Yes, I'm really sorry. I respect you, officer. In essence, I believe in you. And he says, do you know what? I can see you're sorry. I'm going to pay your ticket. What? I'm going to pay your ticket and let you go. Do you think I'm going to leave the seatbelt off? Burn out in front of them? Swerve off? Yeah, see you later, buddy! No. Man, when I see the police officer the next time, I'm going to be like, awesome. When you realize that you're a sinner, you really get it in your heart. And that God so loved the world that he gave his son for you. The Bible calls it being born again or being made a new creature. There's something happens inside of you. You want to follow him. You want to know him. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and know his love. And then you want to start doing that for others so they'll see him and know him. The mystery of suffering. And I, I think, and, and I've been exposed to this so much, the, you know, the get rich gospel, the uh, God, Jesus wants to make everything right, the, the genie gospel, right? Rub them the right way, pray the right way, and you get all your answers. And this is our society in North America. We don't quite get that the mystery of suffering works in us something so great and it doesn't end in suffering. It leads to glory. Even though it hurts a while, it says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. So if we've got to go through something for a little bit, enjoy it as much as you can. Learn out of it what you need to know. Cling on to the Lord tighter than you've ever clinged to Him. Run home to the church. Don't run from Him. Run to Him. I don't know about this verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren. Say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Jesus wouldn't let her, let her touch him. Well, I shouldn't say that. I read, I read the other day that some people think she was actually already clinging on to him. And he's like, let me go. You know, like, I mean, he let Thomas touch him. So maybe it's not the fact he was trying to keep her away. Maybe she was already bear hugging him. He's like, oh, don't cling to me. No, I'm sure wasn't quite like that, but hmm. 
Verse 19 to 23, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them, said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands inside. Then the disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to him again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive sins, the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day, Sunday. Sunday, today, the first day of the week. There's a, a whole pile of speculation of why we, we meet on Sunday and it's right here in the gospel. They met, they were meeting the day he was rose, he rose and they didn't even know he had rose yet. The first time they saw Jesus, they were all together collected on the Lord's Day, Sunday, today. That's why we're gathering here. And that's been the tradition down throughout the ages for the church. That's one huge reason why we gather on Sunday. Because they did. And he met with them. And he told them, peace be with you. And I want to tell you this morning, peace be with you. God has you. You're not alone. You're not forsaken. Not only does the Lord have you where he wants you, you're with us, your brothers and sisters. If you're going through something, you couldn't be in a better place than you are right now on the Lord's Day this Sunday, the first day of the week. Again, like I said, when he, when he appeared to Mary, can you imagine what left all those disciples seeing him for the first time conquering death? I mean, they must have been in fear. They must have been uh, anxiety, grief, confusion, torment. This all was now replaced in them. Think about it. If you'd seen Jesus rise from the dead, you'd be feeling like faith, love, Joy, peace, excitement, courage. All these things are now flooding them. Amazement, wonder. And he commissions them to go. He filled them. And then he sent them. You know, the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filling can be like a metaphor for the wind in a sailboat. It doesn't mean that God leaves you and then he's got to fill you. That wind carries that sailboat where it needs to go. That wind gives that sailboat the power it needs to have to do what it needs to do. And the first time they see Jesus, he says, peace be with you. He takes away their torment, their pain, their fear, their questions. They see him risen and understand to the extent they could 
this is God. He beat death. And he says, go. He fills them and he goes. God has a call for you. Paul says it's a high call, an upward call of God in Christ. Paul understood it so well that he said, I forsake everything. And I count it as dung, he says, that I might know him and his resurrection, the upward call of God in Christ. We've got a few short years in this earth to fulfill the call God has given you. My call is not to build trusses. My call is to love those guys there and to share the gospel with them. Hopefully to be a reflection of God's love and then when they see that something's different, I can say, I was a sinner like you. I was a sinful man, worse than you. And Jesus paid for me and then invited me to walk with him. Can you believe that he died and was buried and rose again? That's my call. That's your call to your neighbors, to your co-workers. Anywhere you're called to be in that sphere of influence is to be a representation of the gospel of God. And he'll open the doors for you to share that. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. God empowers you to do his work in his strength, in his time, for his glory, and for his name. Just be a willing vessel. Just run after him. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you that none of us here are an accident, that you loved us and cared for us, that you wove us in the womb. Lord, you are glorified. You are honored. You are the master creator. You have made the hills and the rivers and the ecosystems and the stars and the galaxies and the universe. You created our bodies, Lord, to be amazing and to heal themselves and to, to grow and to learn how we all function, all to glorify you. You are amazing. Father, I pray as we sing this last song that you would be revealed. We would see you high and lifted up. The train of your robe, it fills the heavenly temple, God. That even as we sing, we're strengthened and given courage by the Holy Spirit to do your will, to walk with you and to serve you and each other. In Jesus' name, amen.